Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. An Erio's original. And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into the weirdest, strangest, and most mysterious corners of the internet. I'm Allie Siegel. And I'm Melissa Stetton. Melissa, who are our patrons this week? We've got Felix, Stephanie, and Carolyn. Guys, welcome to the team. This week, you will have access to a video of me tasting 16 different sodas from around the world. Oh, you went to Vegas. and yes. oh, Okay. I went to Vegas and I went to the Coca-Cola store and got a uh, around the world tasting platter, a flight, and I tasted 16 sodas from around the world. And what percentage of those 99%. were enjoyable? Oh, 99% were disgusting. Oh. 1% were good. <laughs> Dang, that's disappointing. Yeah, you'll see the footage. It was it was an interesting ride. So get wow. ready for that. It'll be pretty exciting. Wow. I also did my makeup horribly that day. So <laughs> be ready. Double surprise. Yeah, double surprise. <laughs> Melissa, what is our episode on today? Okay, so this story, I saw this on I saw a few clips on Twitter. Ooh. And I was like, what is is this like a fake show? And it was ended up being a dateline. Oh. It's a crazy story about a guy who like faked his death, claimed he was someone else. Oh my god! It's a whole thing. It's very fu- the f- the video is very funny. I'll I'll post it on our Instagram of like this interview he did. So it's this guy named Nicholas Oliverdian. He was he is an outspoken advocate for Rhode Island foster children. Okay. He would often spend time at the state house lobbying officials. But then he died in February 2020. Hmm. At least that's what his obituary says. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. However, the U.S. authorities say he's also a con artist and a sex offender who faked his own death to avoid charges. Well, that's one way to get out of it. That's one way to do it. 
He was located in Scotland using the name Arthur Knight, claiming to be an Irish orphan. Uh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm an Irish, orf- Irish orphan. Yeah. Please, sir. <laughs> Please, sir. Can I have some bread? He gave a bizarre interview to Dateline where he used a comical fake accent while wearing an oxygen mask. Okay, I have seen this on yes. Twitter lately. Okay, yes, okay, yes, okay. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, so this info, we got a lot of it from Dateline, and then there was this Daily Beast article by Decca Muldowney, who did a lot of good Who's also an Irish orphan. <laughs> Decca Muldowney from Ireland. They met in the orphanage in Ireland. I don't have any parents. I'm an orphan. Oh, boy. Okay, so (laughs) moving on. Nicholas Oliverdian was born July 11th, 1987. He claimed that his parents were abusive and alcoholic and couldn't take care of him, which led to his placement in the care of the DCYF, which is the Department of Children, Youth, and Families. That, That man is my age. Yeah, yes. That man from that from that video <laughs> is my age. <laughs> you would think he's like, you know, maybe 50. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was like legit 60 years old. Whoa, okay. <laughs> uh, his father had convictions for domestic assault and selling cocaine, left the family when he was three years old. Uh, the Nick's mother, Diana, married David Rossi who was an Engelbert Humperdinck impersonator. <laughs> this can't be real. Oh, this is real, baby. <laughs> and they both took his last name of Rossi. Engelbert, Engelbert. Did your mom ever listen to Engelbert Humperdinck? My gra- I know no. my grandma listened to him. That's insane. That's she had so his records. Uh, so early in his life, he was diagnosed with behavioral and mental health issues. Mm-hmm. His stepfather, David, said... He just wouldn't listen in school. He hit his mother, he hit his grandmother all the time, he hit his siblings. I used to have to hold him down. He'd be spitting at me. Oh, my God. And as a result of that, he was placed in psychiatric care. Oh, wow. And doctors diagnosed him with narcissistic personality disorder and attention deficit disorder. So after being discharged from treatment, he briefly went back to his family but then he was removed and placed into the care of DCYF. He alleged that for a period of 15 months, beginning in March 2002... You hear that airplane? No. It's just in your mind. <laughs> the DCYF <laughs> placed him in their night-to-night program in which a youth would spend his or her days at the DCYF building in Pawtucket, and nights at one of the several shelters around Rhode Island. What's DCYF? It's the Department of Children, Youth, and Families. Oh, got it, got it, got it, okay. It's like the foster care yeah. system. Nicholas said he didn't attend school during this period, and he said the other kids stole his belongings and threatened and assaulted him. He said he was just having a terrible time. Oof. The Providence Journal said this night-to-night program was a stifling experience and that Nicholas Alverdian was denied a substantial chunk of his childhood. So it sounds like it was just like pretty traumatic being moved from place to place. Yeah, of course. I'm surprised. Like, how can you get away with not having school? That yeah, it's really, it's really nuts. When he turned 14, he was hired as a legislative page in the Rhode Island House of Representatives. 
He said that he informed lawmakers about his negative experience in the DCYF care, but he received no assistance. And then this representative, Brian G. Coogan from Rhode Island, he said he felt sorry for Nicholas and took action to formally adopt him. Wow. But he was warned off from doing so by family court chief judge Jeremiah S. Jeremiah. What are we doing? (laughs) What are you doing? Jeremiah S. Jeremiah. Okay. Uh, This judge told Brian Coogan, this representative, that Nick wasn't telling him the whole story. He's like, watch out for this young man. Yeah. Everything he's telling you, he's actually doing to other kids. Like, he's very manipulative. Oh, interesting. This judge, because this judge knew him pretty well. He's like, if you adopt this kid, it will be nothing but a case of horrors. He'll be accusing you and your family members of abuse. He's not a normal kid. Like, he's like the orphan. Yes. He's the orphan. He is the orphan. I'm an Irish orphan. (laughs) Uh, He was, so Nicholas was sent by the DCYF to Boys Town in Nebraska and Manatee Palms Youth Services in Florida in 2003. And then in a 2011 lawsuit filed against the Rhode Island DCYF, he testified that he was prohibited from contacting others, what? such as the media, attorneys, the state child advocate, and his caseworker during this period. He said he was sent out of state because in Rhode Island, he was a source of information on the DCYF. Right. Like, he claims, like, he knew too much about the Yeah, so he was sent out. <laughs> yeah, no. So, Nicholas told WPRI that he was beaten daily in Florida, Nebraska, and Rhode Island by other kids. And then he said he suffered torture, beatings, assault, and neglect under this DCYF until 2005. And the Rhode Island authorities stated that there were no records of Oliverdian being abused. So they're like, if he was abused, there was no no official records of it. No one said anything. Well, I mean, he said that he couldn't contact anyone, so there would be no way of there right. being he records. Was, yeah, he knew too much. <laughs> so when Nicholas turned 18, he was released from custody of the state, and an older couple in Ohio took him in, acting as foster parents and supporting him over the next few years. But then later on, Nicholas was accused of taking out 22 credit cards in his foster father's name and running up debts of $200,000. Okay, this guy. <laughs> oh, He's not exactly no, a reliable no narrator. <laughs> no, 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 no. So uh, also when he was 18, a woman met Oliverdian online when she was a sophomore in college in Massachusetts. And they were both originally from Providence. They were the same age. And it was 2006. So Nicholas Oliverdian was using the name Nicholas Rossi mm. after his stepdad. And she, this woman, was like, everything was perfect. He was super gentlemanly, very well-spoken, super kind. He was fun to talk to. And then, this is funny, once Nicholas <laughs> accidentally forwarded her an email that happened to be a copy of his apparent acceptance letter to Harvard University. Oh, I accidentally forwarded you. My bad. Oh, ignore that. Ignore that email. That wasn't for you. Whoops, I accidentally sent you a glamour (laughs) shot. Sorry, don't look at it. Oh, like, (laughs) did you watch? What is that Australian show, Jamay? 
Oh, yeah. Where she's yes, doing yes. a presentation <laughs> and like her modeling photos pop. Yes. like, oh, ignore that. My modeling. Yeah, oh, what are these doing in here? In there. <laughs> the modeling photos. So now this woman is like thinks that the letter was actually fake. Yeah. Designed to like impress her. Uh, so the two met, agreed to meet IRL. Nicholas took a train and met Samantha. Samantha is not her real name. It's just the name she used. Okay. Uh, met him at a station. Nicholas greeted her with the most forceful kiss she's ever experienced. She's like, I don't know this person at all. And he just came on like very, very strong. Oh this is the first time they met in person. Uh, they went out to dinner and then they headed back to Samantha's dorm to watch Garden State. Okay, that really places us in a time frame. <laughs> it really paints a oh, picture. Oh, yeah. Early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then things took a turn for the worse. He kept pressuring her for sex, saying things like, oh, I just spent so long on the train. And she kept saying no. She was like, I don't want to do this. And he wouldn't stop. And like, he wouldn't let it go. Then he threatened her. He said something like, you're going to regret it if you don't. And she was like, uh, I don't know what that means. And she's like, well, I don't want to find out what that means. So then he raped her. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then the next morning, she got him out of the dorm. She agreed to drop him off in Providence on her way to visit family. They stopped at a Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. And she's like, I remember thinking, how fucked up is it that I'm buying my rapist breakfast right now? Like, that's just, that's that's awful that you'd have to, like, drive this person home. I know. She said, uh, in the days after the rape, she felt like a zombie. Uh, She got back to her dorm. She threw out that everything that Nicholas had touched, the pillows, the bedding, the cup he drank from... Even the movie they'd be watching, they'd be watching. <laughs> They've been watching. watching. No, she had to throw away Garden State. She had to throw away her Garden State DVD. That's the worst part. At least it wasn't the soundtrack. Soundtrack is, is good. She didn't report the attack to the police because she said the culture around sexual assault in 2006 was different from, you know, the current totally. post-Me Too area. There was an attitude of, well, you invited him into your room, so you must have asked for it. Yeah. It's sad, but true. Uh, So she says she wrote Nicholas a message on Facebook saying, you raved me, it's not okay. And then she blocked him. And a few weeks later, she was in Providence and she ran into Nicholas in public. She said, he looked at me, we locked eyes, and he said, you're not even going to say hi to me? And then she ran in the opposite direction and she found a bathroom and like started throwing up. Oh my God. Because she was like so upset. Yeah. And then she started five years of therapy because of him. Oh, my God. That's so horrible. And then there's another woman, Mary. She was in her first term studying information technology at a small college in Dayton, Ohio, when Oliverdian, still using the last name Rossi, reached out to her on MySpace in January 2008. Uh, They were in the same school, and Nicholas said he'd like to get to know her. Mary was 18, living with her parents. And she had no reason to be suspicious of a fellow student. He seemed charming. Uh, Mary said she had a boyfriend, but she was like open to being friends with him. So they continued talking and they met up at the school cafeteria. Uh, Mary brought a friend with her and Nicholas brought a friend. She's like, we had a good conversation. Uh, He was telling me how he wanted to be a lawyer. He wanted to write books. And she's like, I don't feel like he was pressuring me into anything romantic. And then Nicholas asked if he could walk her to her class in the basement 
As they entered the empty stairwell, he pinned her against a wall. Oh, God. She's like, he turned into a different person. He was forcibly kissing me, hands up my shirt, hands on my pants, hands inside of me. And Mary said that she was like trying to push him off of her, but he wouldn't stop. She's like, I honestly thought he was going to rape me or rape me and kill me. She's like, I met him an hour ago and it went from zero to 100 real quick. This guy's gross. Oh, God. And then... Nick masturbated and ejaculated on the wall behind her. This guy's disgusting. It's gross. And then she managed to get free and run to her next class where she like was just processing what happened. Oh, God. Um, Then she went to the police and reported the assault. They interviewed Nicholas and he admitted to police that there had been sexual contact, but claimed that Mary was the aggressor. Jesus Christ. So she actually, they went to court and she took the stand in, in Ohio and told her story, but it was like, you know, her word against his. Yeah. And she said the trial was super hard because there was so much victim blaming. I can imagine. Especially yeah. like Nicholas's defense, just questioning her. Apparently, the lawyer was pretty much saying that like she deserved it too. Oh. So gross. Having to be a lawyer for like a rapist. Can and, you imagine? Like, trying to discredit the woman. Like that's, that's a horrible... You sold thing. your soul to the devil. Yes. Like, going to hell. Yeah. So the court ultimately sided with Mary. Oh, good. Thank God. And Nicholas was found guilty of public indecency and sexual imposition in 2008. And he was requ- uh, required to register as a sex offender. Mary was like, I was kind of upset that he didn't have jail time. But at the same time, she was like, well, at least, you know, yeah. he has to register as a sex offender. And then his Nicholas's DNA and fingerprints were taken and he was added to the database of sex offenders this will be come in handy in the future yeah oh yeah so in 2012 nicholas tried to get a new trial based on what he described as newly discovered evidence according to court documents the evidence was a printed picture of a myspace post apparently authored by mary in which she seemed to recant her court testimony but a forensic computer expert dismissed the documents as fakes, according to court records. The court ruled the MySpace post was not credible. It was like a fake post. Yeah. That well, he made. Coming from the guy who makes fake Harvard acceptance letters. Yeah. Look, she said she look, she said she was lying. I'm an orphan in school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he kept trying to appeal the case. And what sucked is that Mary had to keep finding thousands of dollars to hire a lawyer she's like i had to borrow money from my parents and defend myself against this fucking creep that sucks so nicholas kate nicholas's case against mary was ultimately dismissed in 2014 and then later that year he penned an essay titled my personal 9-11 jesus christ where he wrote about Mary. He said, her acts are tantamount to flying planes into my twin pillars of personal success and public service. My my goals and aspirations crumbled to the earth, amassing a huge heap of rubble. This guy's psychotic. He's psychotic. Uh, Then November 2008, Nicholas was in Utah. He was just like on the internet trying to meet women. He met a 26-year-old who is only identified as MS. And they dated Melissa for... Stetton? Ah! I didn't even realize that when I was writing this out. Wait, in 2008, 
I would have. No, I was 24 in 2008. Okay. Oh, sure. <laughs> I was like, did I talk to this guy? I'm, this Who was only like something identified I would do. as Melissa Stetton. I didn't even realize. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, they dated for two months. Uh, MS, not Melissa Stetton. <laughs> sure. Told investigators that Nicholas was nice and seemed smart, university educated, interesting. He was also manipulative. He had no job. Convinced her to lend him money that he did not pay back. Oh, God. He said he wanted to marry her. Uh, That December, she said that he locked her in the bedroom, forced himself on top of her, and raped her. Jesus Christ. So the Utah authorities say that Nicholas also raped his 21-year-old former girlfriend in the same year. God. He allegedly lured the woman uh, back to his apartment, promising to repay the money that he owed to her. And then after the alleged rape, she says that he told her that she was mentally unstable and too emotional to deal with. Oh, God. This guy fucking sucks. Yeah, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Sweetie, you're a little emotional after I raped you. (laughs) Yeah. So for a short period of time, uh, Nicholas studied comparative literature in extension classes at harvard my god so he did not graduate uh and then in 2012 he was administratively withdrawn from the course when the university learned of his sex offender status good but despite this he claimed to be a a harvard scholar political scientist and sociologist jesus christ now, let's take a quick break for announcements. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to bonus episodes, shoutouts, merch discounts, and more. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become a patron. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we will shout you out. And Erios has a hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. Please continue to call us and we will continue to play your voicemails. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. 
Now, back to our episode. He returned to Rhode Island. He reinvented himself as an advocate for children in the foster care system. He would lobby politicians, attend fundraisers and galas. Uh, He was apparently everywhere in the governor's office, the Senate, the House. Anywhere there's politicians, he was there. And then in 2011, Oliverdian, who by then... He dropped the last name Rossi in favor of his birth name, which is Oliverdian. He sued the Department of Children, Youth, and Families of Rhode Island. He claimed he was raped and abused while in state custody as a minor. The state denied there was any evidence that he was abused, but they settled the case for $70,000. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Then he continued to abuse women. Between 2010 and 2011, four different women filed complaints against him. Uh, In one instance, a woman alleged that he threw her to the floor and beat her after he became incensed that her baby son wouldn't stop crying. And this woman was Nicholas's first wife, whom he had married only one week previously. How do you have so many, like, women reporting you for sexual assault and nothing happens? I mean, I I guess I know how people hate women, but (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. So the woman's roommate told police he had heard her screaming. And then Nicholas was arrested, refused to cooperate. The police officers carried him down the stairs to the car, pepper sprayed him in the face, and Nicholas pleaded no contest to simple domestic assault, and the the marriage ended after that. He was not surprisingly active in online men's rights forums and blogs. Jesus Christ. (laughs) In 2015... He was once again living with his former foster parents in Utah. That's insane. After he, well, maybe they found out after about all the credit cards and the stealing money. I get, I did, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think they found out much later yeah. that he was opening credit cards in their name. Uh, so yeah, he moved back in with his former foster parents. He met this woman named Catherine Heckendorn at a Mormon singles event. Oh, that sounds fun. Uh, A few months later, they were married, they moved to Ohio, and then she said he immediately became violent. Uh, The day after they got married, he hit her, it got worse, Um, he was very controlling, saying what she could and could not wear. Uh, In the basement, Catherine found Nicholas's handwritten journals, which listed details of women he had been watching. Oh, God. The diaries included details of the women's college schedules and their likes and dislikes. Oh, Jesus. Gross. Verbally and physically assaulted her throughout the five months of marriage. He borrowed $52,000 from her. Obviously, they he never paid her back. Do you not have to disclose that you're a sexual, that you're on the sex offender registry? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's crazy. I feel like if you get, if you're marrying someone, like you would have to disclose, like, you know, he's on the sex offender registry, right? Or maybe he came up with an excuse. He's like, oh, that was, you know, when I was 18, my girlfriend was 17 and her parents were mad or like, or like I tripped and my penis fell out in public. And then, yes, the next year he used OkCupid to connect with Michelle, who is a food blogger living in Essex, United Kingdom. And then he flew to the UK to meet her, ended up moving into her home for five weeks. 
Oh my God. She's like, from the moment he walked in, he psychologically and emotionally wore me down. Within days, he was talking about getting married and doing calculations about how long it would take him to get his residency. Jesus Christ. And then he raped her. He spent $3,600 of her savings. And then she eventually changed the locks following advice from the police. Good. And then Nicholas threatened to sue her. Sue her? Yeah. (laughs) And that same year, the state of Utah received a grant to test backlogged rape kits. Amazing. Some of which had sat in storage for over a decade. That's crazy that there's so many rape kits that are untested. Like, they're like, why don't people are like, why don't you report? Because you don't it's test useless most yeah. of the time. It's so crazy. Uh, one of these, the rape uh, kits was taken after a 2008 rape in Utah. And the test matched a name in the database, Nicholas Rossi, because he already had his fingerprints and DNA. Yeah. So, and this was like 10 years later. That's they were so like, oh, it's him insane. on this rape kit. So the Utah prosecutors began building a case against him. Uh, By then, Nicholas was back in Rhode Island. He failed to register as a sex offender and had been placed on the state's most wanted list. So the police were looking for him. Interesting. Then by 2009, the FBI joined the hunt. They were wanting to speak to him about wire fraud charges. And the U.S. Marshals were also looking for him. My God. And then he announced suddenly that he was dying. So this former representative, Brian Coogan, who had known Nicholas since he was a teenager, remembers Nicholas telling him in a phone call that he had lymphoma. Brian Coogan didn't believe it. He was like, I know you. You're not dying. He's like, you're acting like you're dying because the authorities are looking for you. Yeah, this guy's like a compulsive liar. But then February 29th, 2020, an obituary appeared online. Oh, boy. Nicholas Oliverdian was dead, age 32. (laughs) The obituary said... His last words were, fear not and run toward the bliss of the sun. At the time of his passing, the room was filled with the sounds of the end credits for the 1997 film Contact by composer Elvin Silvestri, a film and score which held special meaning for Mr. Oliverdian. <laughs> That's psychotic. <laughs> That's literally psychotic. Uh, it also said surviving what Providence Journal columnist Ben Kerr called a Dickensian existence in Rhode Island and enduring a warlike torture in Nebraska and Florida was a triumph of sheer will. Oh, Jesus Christ. He again did the unthinkable and was admitted to become an alum of Harvard University, the most peaceful and intellectually invigorating four years of his life, aside from the past four years with his young, loving family, including his beloved wife and cherished cherished children. And they did a moment of silence for him in the House of Representatives. Oh, my God. Even knowing that he was legitimately a sex offender. I mean, obviously, the House of Representatives knows he's a sex offender. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, that's bad. Like, that's says something wrong about our government. But Brian Coogan, of course, was suspicious. He's like, I was a thousand percent sure he wrote his own obituary. I knew it was phony. And law enforcement agreed. One of the lieutenants said, anyone who reads that obituary and has any kind of knowledge of Nicholas Oliverdian knew that he wrote it 100%. Yes, of course. And the police could find no evidence of a death certificate. 
And the obituary mentioned a widow named Louise and two children, but they also could not be located. Oh, my God. But it seems by the time of his death, he was already long gone. He fled the U.S. and he landed in the U.K. Oh, boy. And then, this is crazy, one month before he quote-unquote died, a man named Nicholas Brown was looking for work online. In January 2020, a Canadian TV host and producer Nafsika Antipas was looking to hire someone to help her with marketing for her A&E show, Plant-Based, with Nafsika. So Nicholas contacted her through a freelancer site, Upwork. Nicholas Brown, as you've probably guessed, is Nicholas Oliverdian's newest alias. Oh, no. So when they get on the phone, Nick seemed, like, smart and interested he said he was Harvard educated, said he worked on a TV project with Gordon Ramsay. Which I'm sure he did not, right? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. She thought his voice sounded strange with a pronounced stutter. He said he was Irish, but spoke in an English accent. Uh, but his ratings were good on the site. Oh, so sorry. she hired him. And boy, that was a mistake. Oh, my God. So she agreed to pay him $10,000 a month for marketing and public relations services. Jesus. But there was like always excuses for why no work was being done. One month, it was because he was in the hospital. The second month, his dog was in the hospital. And the third month, he was going on a second honeymoon with his wife. <laughs> oh, my God. So Nafsika had once before been scammed. Nafsika. Which she told Nicholas, and which in hindsight, she says that he used against her. He was like, oh, yeah, she's been scammed. Oh, yeah, this is going to be easy. So when she first confronted him for not producing the promotional campaign, he said he would. He said, oh, you're just paranoid because you've been scammed before. And she was like, you're right. Uh, Maybe I'm being too paranoid. Gaslighter. And then four months in, Nafsika still hadn't seen any evidence of his work. So she uh, she decided it was time to end the business relationship she had already paid him $40,000 for work. She was paying him? Yes. She asked him to produce a promotional campaign for her vegan lifestyle show. And that's when he came back with a list of what he would do to me if I didn't pay what he believed I owed him. He said, you have no clue who you're dealing with. Settle or your company will and brand will be destroyed. End of story. So he demanded an entire year's salary. He set up a website called Nafsika Antipas is a fraud and sent her screenshots of it. He had her driver's license photo on it, claiming like she wasn't really vegan, like she was just a fraud. Oh my God. Crazy. And then when she refused to pay, Nicholas bombarded her parents' house with phone calls, threatened to sue her and her father's company, and she tried to report him to the police in the UK because that's where he said he was. But they couldn't help her. So she hired a private detective in Dublin to search for Nicholas Brown. But he told her that no such person existed because you're dealing with a con man. Because it's not a real name. This is insane. So it cost her more than $40,000. She had to hire lawyers, a PR company to help clean up all the lies spread about her. She had to pay for the private detective. And she feels that if law enforcement had taken her more seriously when she tried to report him... Perhaps he could have been stopped earlier. Yeah. Yeah, girl, you got scammed. Okay, so now we get to Arthur Knight. On December 13th, 2021, 
A man checked himself into a hospital as Arthur Knight. He was put on a ventilator because he was like really sick with COVID. His wife of two years, Miranda, was with him. Scottish police had been working with hospital staff to identify the sick man based on his numerous tattoos, including a coat of arms with open books in each quarter surrounding a red St. George's cross and a single angel wing. He had scarring on one of his arms, which looked like he tried to remove a tattoo. Weird. So Arthur Knight's real name was Nicholas Rossi, a.k.a. Oliverdian. They arrested him that day on an international warrant. Oh, my God. On behalf of investigators in Utah for an alleged rape. So they kept him under arrest at the hospital. And then 10 days later, he had a bail hearing via video because he was still hospitalized. Yeah. He was granted bail and the court expected him to remain in the hospital for a few more weeks because he claimed he was like seriously ill. Right. But he ended up leaving immediately. He's like, okay, gotta go. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, took off his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he was arrested again for missing his court date. But again, he claimed he was not Nicholas Rossi and they let him go out on bail again. He's like, it's, this is a mistaken identity. I am Arthur Knight. I am not Nicholas Rossi. You're making a huge mistake. This is crazy. <laughs> so he gave numerous interviews to the press, often wearing a three-piece suit with a pocket square and using an oxygen mask that obscured his uneven English accent. <laughs> he denied allegations of rape, denied that he was Nicholas. And then a lot of the reporters asked about his tattoos, but he refused to roll up his sleeves above his elbow. He's like, yeah, I don't have any tattoos, but he wouldn't roll up his sleeves. What? So in August 2022, a reporter from Sky News Scotland was interviewing him and Miranda Knight, his like new wife, in their Glasgow apartment. They FaceTimed, the reporter FaceTimed former Rhode Island lawmaker Brian Coogan. Oh, my God. Holding the phone up so that you could see the man. And Brian Coogan said, hi, Nick, how you doing? <laughs> oh, my God. But Ar but Arthur Knight refused to speak to him. He's like, I don't know you. And yeah. the, this Excuse guy me, was Nick. like, Nick, it's you. Yeah. So David Rossi, Nick's uh, former stepfather, the Engelbert Humperdinck impersonator, was also shown footage by STV News of the man calling himself Arthur Knight. He's like, that's my son. There he is. That's my Nicky. <laughs> Oh, my God. So his court appearances and his public persona became increasingly unhinged. He hired and fired defense lawyers. He publicly accused David Leavitt, who's the Utah County attorney behind the extradition, of engaging in satanic child abuse. He refused to provide DNA samples to Scottish authorities. What? So they didn't have his DNA in Scotland. Oh, really? Where he was. And then oh, we have this, this dateline. Oh, I'm excited because I still haven't listened to it. So he's sitting next to his wife, Miranda. He's like kind of hunched over. He's got an oxygen mask on his face. He's wearing glasses. We were once a normal family, but thanks to the media, our lives have been interrupted. And we'd like privacy. And I would like to go back to being a normal husband. But um, I can't, because I can't breathe. I can't walk. Uh, people say that's an act. Let me try to stand up. Let me try to stand up. 
tries exactly. to stand up and exactly. he falls over. What do you say to to someone who believes that that you are Nicholas Oliverdian? I am not Andrea. I am not Nicholas Oliverdian. I do not know how to make this clear. What do you say to people who say these are crocodile tears? He's putting on a show. This is all an act. <laughs> Oh, he no, that's, that's a right low blow. That's a right low blow. That's the he's craziest. Like, <laughs> he's like, see, I can't stand up, and he stands up and just falls <laughs> over like in the most dramatic way possible. <laughs> he's like a Mike Myers character. Yes. Uh, so then, in July 2022, he was once again back in the hospital where he verbally abused staff, at one point leaping out of bed to run at a nurse who were caring for him. Oh, my God. And they, like, ran out of the room. He was arrested, and his fingerprints were taken, finally, because his fingerprints had not been taken. Yeah. And those fingerprints matched those of Nicholas Oliverdian, taken all those years ago. Oh, my God. Thank God. So he was denied bail, and Arthur argued that his extensive tattoos had appeared on his body while he lay in a coma because a healthcare worker called Patrick tried to frame him. He claims that while he was in a coma, they tattooed Patrick him. came in, gave him these tattoos. <laughs> How does he explain the DNA matching? I don't know. He said he's being framed. The judge was unconvinced. He concluded that Arthur Knight was indeed Nicholas Oliverdian. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the judge said his claims of mistaken identity were implausible and fanciful and that his repeatedly changing his name was highly suspicious. Yeah, you think? So he's currently in an Edinburgh prison fighting extradition back to Utah to face rape charges. Huh. And then on January 5th this year, 2023, his application to be released on bail was refused. Good. He claimed he was being taunted by prisoners who were singing John Denver's Leaving on a Jet Plane to him. Okay. <laughs> like, sure. that's, not, that's not a bad song. Yeah. <laughs> and then the full extradition hearing was moved to next month, June 26, 2023. Yeah, that's coming up. Yeah, so we'll see. I'm sure he'll be extradited back to Utah. And <laughs> this is the craziest thing I've ever heard in it's my life. It's crazy. Yeah, I saw those pictures on Twitter and I was like, who is this guy? But this is amazing. I am not Nick yeah. all this hello Ferdinand. I can barely breathe. <laughs> I ha we I gotta watch this dateline episode because this is incredible. It's crazy. So yeah, what a horrible man. That's the story of Nicholas yeah. Rossi, aka Oliverdian. AKA Arthur Knight. A.K.A. A Nick Brown, whoever. Nicholas um, Brown, who worked for Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. <laughs> um, if people have more information on this, uh, Melissa, where can people reach us? You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. All right. Well, I am Allie, Harvard alumni Siegel. Oh, and I am Melissa I'm in a Scottish orphan, Stetton. <laughs> and that's all, folks. Bye. Bye. An 
Studios Original. Powered by ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.